Crossing a busy street without a proper crosswalk, I do that every morning when I walk my dogs, Hook and Cosmo. I'm jaywalking, of course, which is something basically everyone does in cities or even suburbs. It's technically an infraction in most places, a rule that's rarely enforced. But when someone does get a ticket in some places, it's more likely than not a person of color and expensive. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. Today, we talk about jaywalking and the movement to decriminalize it. Studies have shown that jaywalking tickets inordinately affect communities of color in California's biggest cities. Critics charge systemic racism, and state lawmakers want to address that disparity. Assembly Bill 1238, known as the Freedom to Walk Act, would get rid of penalties for pedestrians who try to cross the street when it's safe to do so, even against a red light. It currently awaits the signature of California Governor Gavin Newsom. We'll talk to State Assemblymember Phil Ting of San Francisco, who introduced the bill. And we'll also hear from a walking advocate. Yep, they exist. San Francisco is a classic jaywalking city. I know this for a fact because I've done that there many, many times. So it makes sense that Assemblymember Phil Ting would think that jaywalking tickets need to be stopped. Assemblymember Ting, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me, Gustavo. It's great to be here. What got you into advocating to sponsor a bill to decriminalize jaywalking? Well, what got me into it was uh, a number of advocates came to me and talked to me about the discrepancies that were occurring. Uh, First, I'm sure you, me, everyday Californians jaywalk all the time, sometimes every single day. And all we think of it as is not as if we're breaking the law, but just simply us crossing the street to get to the store. Somebody's crossing the street to catch a bus. Maybe you're crossing the street to get into your car. This is uh, everyday behavior. We don't think there's criminal behavior. So the fact that jaywalking is considered criminal and that people are getting cited for it was really uh, pretty surprising to me to hear how prevalent it was. Uh, This is a follow-up on a bill that Miguel Santiago and I did a few years ago that was ensuring that you had enough time to cross the street in a crosswalk. Kind of shockingly, people entered the crosswalk, uh, many in downtown um, LA as well as downtown San Francisco, and they would get cited because they couldn't get across the street fast enough. Now, you and I are fairly healthy, but let's say you're a senior, and if you're older, it takes time to get across the street. Uh, Or... Perhaps if you're a certain racial group, maybe you're the one getting cited and not certain kinds of people. Normally, I wear a suit, so I've never gotten cited for jaywalking, even though I've done it plenty of times. So that's why I authored AB 1238, the Freedom to Walk Act. To me, which is common sense. We need to legalize walking across the street. So currently right now, say I'm jaywalking, I cross the street, police officer gets me. How much would it set me back? Well, fines could range between $250 to $1,000. A thousand? What was shocking. Yeah, up to a thousand. So we have a situation in Culver City where a 66-year-old gentleman named Richard Milton of Culver City, who happened to be African-American, he was fined $198 for crossing the street to catch the bus this summer. He couldn't pay. So then all of a sudden the fines and fees kept adding up. So now his bill is $500. And uh, poor Richard's a former veteran, and his only crime was crossing the street to try to just catch the bus. Wow. So the, these tickets, it's not just like, oh, it's an infraction, I'll pay it, whatever. They actually affect the lives of Californians. 
Absolutely. It's not like a parking ticket. You know, parking tickets are very expensive in San, in San Francisco. They're probably less expensive in L.A. Uh, but, you know, where it's like 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, San Francisco, they're a little bit more. Uh, so, so you could, uh, in theory, you know, afford to pay that. But, you know, where something costs between $250 to $1,000, especially for low-income individuals. And I think what's, what was really surprising and was really kind of shocking was the disproportionate number of African-Americans who were getting cited. We saw in LA, LAPD, 3.7 more times likely to cite an African-American for jaywalking than someone else. LA Sheriff's Department, three times more likely. In Long Beach, 3.4 times more likely. Uh, in Sacramento, they just did a big expose in the Sacramento Bee, five times more likely in Sacramento to get cited if you're African-American. San Diego was similar, 4.3 times. So, so this, this is really not just about the freedom to walk and to cross the street. This is really also a racial justice issue where certain types of people are getting cited and not others. We'll be back after this break. Assemblymember Ting, so you're getting all these stats from advocates. You're hearing all these stories. How does it then start affecting you to where, like, I need to do something about this? Well, well again, I, you know, for me, I've been very focused on criminal justice reform. Part of the reason it's been a source of frustration is we spend almost $13 uh, billion on our correction system, our prison system, upwards of over $100,000 per inmate. And the kind of results we get aren't very good. I don't think anybody... Uh, who's in California say, oh, that's great that we're spending all this money and that the results are going very well because they're supposed to be incarcerated and then rehabilitated so they don't go back. And so really I've been focused on what can we do to ensure that we're getting a better result for our criminal justice system, meaning the people who need to be locked up are locked up, yet the people who are locked up and want to get help, get the help they need so that when they come out, they can start over. So I've been, uh, I worked to streamline the expungement process, meaning people who were already allowed to have their records expunged got that streamlined because it's a very complicated process, very difficult, very expensive. And if you don't get your records expunged, it could affect your ability to get a job, your ability to get housing, your, your ability. Uh, one gentleman talks about his ability to coach his son's little league team. And so this is something that I, I've, I've been working on for quite a bit. And when this bill came forward, it seemed kind of like the perfect fit to, again, make sure that we have the freedom to walk and that we would decriminalize something that we all do every single day. Yeah, it, it's so interesting because when we talk about criminal justice reform in California, we think about the carceral state. We think about corrupt policing. We think about, you know, the schools to prison pipeline, big, huge issues. But you really don't think about jaywalking, the, this idea of walking equity to that it actually targets marginalized people or, or hurts them. Well, what we've seen is that oftentimes when you have an interaction with a police officer, that could escalate. But we saw in two higher profile cases, we saw last September in San Clemente, a sheriff's deputy stopped Carl Reinhold for jaywalking, and he was subsequently killed during the encounter. Kurt Reinhold last fall, yeah. So who would think that crossing the street and getting arrested would lead to your death? We had something similar in the Bay Area, where uh, Chinadu 
Okovi uh, in Milbrae, which is in San Mateo County, was stopped a, a number of years ago for crossing El Camino Boulevard mid-block, which, which is a, a fairly busy intersection. But again, is that really where we want our police officers to focus on when we have, um, we have fatalities, we have deaths, we have some really uh, very horrific crimes going on? Is this where we really want our law enforcement officials spending their time? Well, he was detained, he wasn't cooperating, so they used a taser and he unfortunately suffered cardiac arrest and died. So again, these incidents where, you know, you all have good intentions. No, no one had a bad intention across the street. I'm sure the officers didn't have a bad intention. But why even put the officers in that situation? You know, this is sending a message that we don't want officers really focusing on jaywalking. We really want them focused on the crimes that Californians really care about. I think another issue that's come up from law enforcement is law enforcement has made the argument that this will make our streets uh, unsafe or less safe. And what we say is the law continues to allow law enforcement officials to cite anybody who's crossing dangerously. So uh, I don't know those two instances, but let's say you and I are crossing a very busy street, but it's empty. There's no cars around. That's not illegal. But if for whatever reason you get in front of a car or you're creating a kind of hazard, uh, absolutely law enforcement officials can absolutely cite you for that, for any dangerous uh, pedestrian behavior. The bill is currently before Governor Gavin Newsom. If he signs it, when does it take effect? It would take effect January 1st. And we really are urging him to sign it. We think this is common sense legislation, makes a lot of sense. Not only is it legalizing behavior that is already safe, but it's also ensuring that uh, certain communities aren't getting uh, overly cited for behavior that everybody else is doing. And if it doesn't pass? If it doesn't pass, then we may reintroduce it again and uh, bring it back next year. Assemblymember Ting, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks, Gustavo. Great to be here. Next up, we'll hear from a walking activist. John Yee is the executive director of Los Angeles Walks. The organization focuses on pedestrian advocacy and creating a safer and more walkable L.A. that focuses on infrastructure signs, crosswalks, and more. It also supported Assemblymember Ting's bill. John, welcome to The Times. Thank you for having me here. Excited to talk about this. Yeah, L.A. is the capital of car culture, of course, for decades and decades. So because of that, though, I think people forget that, yeah, people actually walk here. Yeah, I mean, there's that zeitgeist, nobody walks in L.A., which implicitly implies if you walk, you're a nobody. And I think that's one of the more harmful cultural, I think, um, civic cultures that we have here in L.A. And so definitely we want to make sure that everyone knows that at one point in your life in L.A., everyone's a pedestrian. You know, everyone walks to their car or everyone walks to their bus. And so the more that we recognize that this is all of our fight, the better. So a big focus for your group is equitable design infrastructure, the idea that there's neighborhoods and low-income communities with very few crosswalks or sidewalk spaces. How does that affect the people who live there? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the way we move in transportation is like an artery in our bodies, right? It connects us to everything. So whether you're going to school, accessing hospitals, going to a grocery store to get fresh produce, that a lot of that depends on whether you can get there by foot, by car, by subway, by train. Um, and so I think a lot of these things impact our community health. And so communities without viable access to these places on foot oftentimes are areas that lack crosswalks, uh, that lack sidewalks altogether. And a lot of those communities happen to be our communities of color, our low-income communities, and our immigrant communities.
for people in those communities, are there reasonable alternatives to jaywalking? No. And, and you know, I, and I say that just bluntly. I, for example, I live in Koreatown, you know, and that's considered one of the more denser parts of Los Angeles, uh, considered more of the more walkable communities, even though it's incredibly dangerous still. But there, even in those spaces, I jaywalk all the time. And so for some of, for a lot of our communities, jaywalking oftentimes and many times is the safest way to navigate streets that have been built primarily for cars. Yeah, I'm thinking Santana, one of the densest cities in the United States. It's a very Latino city and the main corridor is Main Street. And you have people crossing through there all the time. But there's this one section on Main Street from like 17th Street up until downtown where there's like three big blocks and just two crosswalks. And so people are crossing it all the time. They have to, even though it's a really busy road. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's listening to you right now, I'm sure they have jaywalked at one point or another. And if you ask them or ask anyone why they jaywalk, it's because it's more convenient and they get to their destination faster. And after all, at the end of the day, isn't that why we move? Isn't that what the point of mobility is, is to get to A to B in a convenient um, and a dignified way? And many times it is jaywalking. It's like you said, you don't want to wait, walk up, you know, a number of blocks to finally find that crosswalk. And, you know, for a lot of our community members, it's not just only about convenience, but about time and schedule. You know, if you don't have a car, if you have to make it to a bus, and especially a bus that comes every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes, oftentimes jaywalking is the fastest way you can get to work, uh, get to your doctor's appointment, get to school. I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's ever received a jaywalking ticket. And so I always imagined it like, oh, something you laugh off, like a parking ticket. But earlier in this episode, San Francisco Assemblymember Phil Ting talked about the stats, talked about how it impacts communities of color in big cities more than other folks. And also mentioned the fact of a gentleman who was shot and killed by police in Orange County after trying to stop him for jaywalking. So this push to decriminalize jaywalking, it's just more than just eliminating what, again, what I thought was an inconvenience. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the raw numbers, the majority of those who are getting jaywalking tickets are people of color. Uh, we have a population about in L.A. County that's about 9% uh, African-American, but the majority, the third, a big chunk of it goes to our black Americans. And then a news just came out about Beverly Hills, for example, and they showed that the number of people that they pulled over, 100% were men of color, about 99% were black men. And again, what was the reason that they used? Jaywalking, uh, just existing in the public space. Oh, yeah. You mean that lawsuit that was saying a police task force on Rodeo Drive arrested only people of color for stuff like riding a scooter on the sidewalk? These laws sometimes are not there to protect pedestrians and most times are there to regulate and uh, sort of control pedestrians and a lot of our black uh, Angelinos especially. If L.A. is the capital of car culture and California is a car state, how do you then motivate people to get interested in this idea of decriminalizing jaywalking? Yeah, no, Gustavo, I love that question. And I think People have to recognize this is the person that is walking to the bus stop, the person that is jaywalking that you see when you're driving your car, their life experience is intricately tied to your commute. Their life experience is intricately tied to you sitting in your car two hours a day getting to work. So the better public transit system we have, the more walkable city we have, the less congestion and more connection we'll have in the city. So the suffering that we all go through when it comes to traffic and mobility, we share that together. And so I think we have to realize that we are all in this together and in this fight to make L.A. more walkable and more accessible. OK, so who are the people who are against the decriminalization of jaywalking? I mean, the better way to put it is who are who are the people out there who want to regulate pedestrian behavior just through penalization, right, and through through tickets? And uh, within doing this work on this bill, groups that have come out in opposition have been law enforcement. Um, and I know the California Highway Patrol, for example, is a group that's opposed this bill. And, you know, I, I think uh, one, uh, there's a number of reasons why they oppose it. Um, 
And I think one big overarching reason is I think there is a held notion among some of these groups of a very old way of looking at uh, regulation of pedestrian behavior, which is through laws, through punishment, through codes. And I think that's, that's a very backwards way of looking at it. I think it comes from a legacy of, of our city and of our, of our state, for that matter, about being focused and prioritizing cars. So I think if we start looking at and asking questions about why pedestrians navigate the way they do, I think it's going to yield an answer which is design, which is how we build our cities. And I think that should be the solution. But until we get away from this idea that we can regulate pedestrian behavior by saying this is yes and this is no, um, I think we're going to continue to see opposition like this. It's rare that you find in those corridors of power people advocating for pedestrians because people think, well, uh, first of all, cars, there's money behind that. There's no money in walking and we all walk. So why do we need to fight for any rights for that? Yeah, there's there's a there's a giant gap when it comes to our elected leadership and those who take our buses, those who walk primarily, um, because a lot of them are drivers. They end up in cars. And so there's even a political culture uh, that has yet to really catch up with a lot of the Angelinas who are rely on transit and walking. So that's another big issue. Correct. Finally, John, to me, it's interesting that the Freedom to Walk Act would change California's vehicle code. I mean, it's telling right there. Jaywalking is in the vehicle code. Uh, codes where the car reigns, not the pedestrian. So if the Freedom to Walk Act is uh, signed by Governor Newsom, how does that bill help change that dynamic? Yeah, I think the first thing is by decriminalizing jaywalking, what you do is you open up the conversation to why is it that we jaywalk to begin with? That conversation is not possible if by code we call it uh, a crime and we give people tickets for it. And so once we remove that stigma, we start to, we're able to actually have the conversation and look at data, look at places where people jaywalk and finally be able to bring some infrastructure resources to prevent people from having to do that and give people more a dignified way of moving about their communities. Uh, John, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for covering the story, appreciate it. And before we leave, some sad news out of Southern California. Over the weekend, an oil pipeline in the Pacific Ocean near Huntington Beach began to leak. At least 126,000 gallons of heavy crude oil spilled into the sea and has slowly made its way towards the Orange County coastline. The full extent of the damage won't be known for weeks, if not months. But the toll is already apparent. Popular beaches in the cities of Huntington Beach and Laguna Beach are closed. There's a fishing ban as well. Clumps of tar are washing on shore. Here's Orange County Supervisor Katrina Foley at a recent press conference. She was at the beach assessing the oil spill. I started to feel a little bit of my throat hurt and, and, and you can feel the vapor in the air. I saw what I'll describe as little pancake clusters of oil along the shoreline. And I've described it as something like an egg yolk. If you push it, it kind of spreads out. Oil slicks have also penetrated sensitive wetlands, and photos are showing dead fishes, birds covered in black, and dolphins swimming in the muck. Officials have asked the public for their help. Here's Christian Corbo from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. What we're asking for from the public is your patience and your eyes. Um, if you happen to see any wildlife or impacts to the beaches, please don't attempt to touch the oil, don't attempt to capture the animals. Please just call us. We have a reporting hotline and I'll share that hotline number with you. It is 1-877-823-6826.
you call that number report, we will get teams on that situation. This podcast will have a deeper dive into this disaster next week. In the meanwhile, please visit latimes.com for the latest dispatches and investigations from our colleagues. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, Project Roomkey promised to save lives and shelter the unhoused in a revolutionary way in Los Angeles during the pandemic. We check in to see if any of that happened. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, Marina Peña, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and this month. Gracias. <laughs>